I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on talk radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all-new Saturday Night Super Squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we'll be here with you for the next hour talking about all the things that have caught our attention this week. We're also going to be looking at, well, we're going to be meeting the woman who created the vampire facial. Would you do it? I don't know sucking the blood of the youth here that's what we're doing <laughs> um, but we're kicking off as ever with some news stories now what are you what have you been reading about this week so two stories that are connected the first one Centoya Denise Brown um, was 16 when she was sentenced to life in prison for killing a man who picked her up for for sex celebrities have been tweeting about this story because um, you know, and nearly 10 years on, she's still in prison for fundamentally something that she shouldn't have been given a life sentence for. She was trafficked for a number of years, and this was a point where she had come to uh, yeah, ha- have enough of, of, of being taken advantage of, and she, and she killed this man. So a number of celebrities are tweeting about it. But it also um, fed into another story that I saw tweeted by Eleanor Mills um, on the death of 26 teenage girls in the Mediterranean Sea, the youngest of which was six. And it really sort of hit me firmly in my heart because I was disappointed at myself for not having seen this story when it came to light three three weeks ago. It wasn't widely covered by the media in the same way that the stories of, of the Syrian um, refugees were covered. And Eleanor tweeted, you know, is it because they were black? And that, I really had to sit with that and think about the media coverage of, of these sorts of stories when when they're women and when they are black. And it, it really, really, really hurt my heart to think that we've got 11,000 women that have been trafficked over you know the last year and, and beyond. And no one knows who they are. No one knows their name. They are just lost and forgotten and, and potentially not cared about. And I was one of those people that didn't, care because I saw the story on Monday and I forgot until I saw it again on social media. So we actually have Eleanor Mills, Editorial Director of the Sunday Times, on the line with us. Now, Eleanor, why was this not a bigger story? Why didn't we see it? Well, I was really shocked by it. They covered it in America. The New York Times ran a comment piece about it by a black woman. And that was what came to my attention. But I think it's really shocking that there's a there's 600% increase in the number of women being sex trafficked into Italy over the past three years. 11,000 Nigerian girls arriving in Italy by sea per year, 80% of which are thought to be victims of trafficking. Yeah. These, all these, the 26 Nigerian women and girls found in the sea, the, their bodies taken to Italy, and most of them were between 14 and 18 years old. And the same day, a naval vessel which um, saved another 64 people and announced that another 50 were missing, presumed drowned. Wow. And what? So, it, so it's appalling to me that this can be happening all the time and the media no longer takes any notice. What can we do to get it back on people's radars to make a bigger fuss of it? Is there something that, you, if, if we can't physically go out there and help, is there something that we can do remotely to try and bring attention to this issue? 
Well, that was why I tweeted about it, because I do think that there's a fundamental disconnect between how stories involving missing white women, particularly middle-class ones, are, are treated compared to missing black women or black female children. I first started thinking about this when I commissioned a story from Christina Lamb and I sent her to Nigeria to find out what had happened to the girls who had been kidnapped by Boko Haram in Chibok. Mm. At the time, there was a huge outcry, Michelle Obama, everybody saying, in these girls we see our own daughters, something has to be done. And everyone had forgotten about them. So my first act when I became editor of the Sunday Times magazine, and I could, was to send a female journalist out to Nigeria to try and find out what had happened. And I put it on the cover of of the paper. And I really thought that that was one of those things that that I think a male journalist wouldn't have done. And Christina Lamb and I feel very passionately about this. That these are people just like everyone else, and they deserve to have their tribulations talked about. And we won't have any kind of real equality in the world or in the media until their their lives are valued as much as that of, say, Madeleine McCann. Yeah. Eleanor, do you think it's for us to actually start, you know, pointing this stuff out to editors and journalists on Twitter, start retweeting it, start making a noise about it so that actually, because ultimately you are driven by what people are reading. So if we're making enough noise about what we want to see, do you think that will shift it? Yes, I do. I think it's brilliant that you guys are talking about it on your your podcast. Sorry, I shouldn't say guys, you ladies <laughs> are talking about it on your podcast. I, I retweeted it and I got quite a lot of... I've kind of pushed back and jipped from people for saying, is it because these girls were black that nobody's interested? But I do genuinely think that that's true. Yes, I, I first agree. started to think about this because um, one of my, my sister worked for um, Help Refugees and she'd been out in the camps in um, Calais and she'd been looking at all these kids and she'd been in Greece and all these kids and she was saying, she said to me, you know, if these kids were little white kids treated like this, dying like this, people would be making a fuss about it and nobody cares yeah i agree thank you so much for joining us eleanor um if you want to read more about that story do check out eleanor's uh, twitter feed it's on there you can find it it's really important and we do need to be talking about it more um so my story for this week is around women on boards and when i first kind of got into the gender equality space about seven eight years ago now um everyone was talking about women on boards there was a massive push to get more of them in the uk there was a davis report about it we had a lobbying group called 30 percent it was all about getting more women on boards and um this news story this week is that the eu has decided it's going to push for an actual quota a 40 percent quota for women on company boards of course this makes no difference to us because we're leaving the EU. <laughs> yeah. um, Little thing called Brexit. <laughs> uh, but it did get us talking about it at an event I was at last night. And one of the things that came out was the fact that actually, since we've stopped talking about women on boards, the numbers have fallen. Is that true? I yeah. have no idea. So it wasn't great. It was at 28% and it's now down 26%, I think. And more worryingly, the numbers of women on executive boards, so the actual people running the company, has pretty much stayed the same, if not gone down a little bit. Is there any point to this? So at clarification, so we're talking about private sector boards, aren't we? Yes, not so we're talking about public private sector. sector. So when we look at the 26, 28 to 26, that's FTSE 100. Yeah, okay. Well, it, it's it's disappointing um, that the numbers are falling. It's disappointing that we haven't done any, uh, you know, the, the numbers of executive women, women leading companies hasn't increased. And going back to the story we were just, we were just talking about, if we if we're around the table if we're leading we can shine a light on the things that are happening to women around the world we can address some of the the inequalities we can um ultimately have economic power i'm not even going to use the term empowerment just economic power to drive change um because we're leaving the eu i do wonder what's going to happen with some of these targets 30 percent for me is 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 low considering you know we're 51 percent of the population i was going to say if it's a quota why is it not 50 percent yeah i'm i'm there it should should just uh, be 50 why is it 40 percent i think where they're going to go with it is 40 percent women 40% men and then the other 20% do whatever you like with so actually kind of giving boards a bit of flex if so if you have to say 50-50 that means the second you lose one of one gender then you need to replace it with the exact same person right, so you need a little bit so it's okay. a little bit of I'll flex let them in off, there but, <laughs> yeah, but also if you're doing a quota that can happen overnight 
You yeah. need to wait for that. You don't have to Ends wait for the talent to come through. The talent is there. You've just got to look for it and yeah. promote it because all the people around that boardroom are not there on merit for anybody that goes, oh, but, you know, you can't just have people there that aren't good enough. It's like lots of people good enough. Yeah. We were talking about this last year, last night, actually, as well. Somebody said that you have to be you can be a really super talented woman and not make it to the top you've got to be a really stupid man to not get there and I thought there's a little bit of truth in that um, and our final story this week Ems what is it? Well this is a story about which it's, it's a hit kind of mainstream news this week about a Natasha I can't find her name Natasha uh, Devon N- N- Natasha Devon that's right she uh, went into a, a girls school and, and went into a, a girl an organisation for girls schools and said um, do not refer female pupils as girls or ladies because it reminds them of their gender I mean the articles talk about that she went in there and dictated it she didn't she was pointing out an observation that maybe we shouldn't be talking referring to pupils as girls or boys because it starts to make them identify with some negative aspects of stereotypes around girls and boys and that can be detrimental to their mental health uh, but it's caused absolute outrage and this has happened before Natalie and I were on Sky News doing a news review and there was a story that I pointed out about a head teacher being conscious of not calling her girls at her girls school girls and using the you know more gender neutral terms and I, I got absolutely annihilated on Twitter and Piers Morgan kicked off about this story and I just feel that people are really mixing up sex with gender. Okay so for those of us who do mix up sex with gender define it for me so sex is basically your your biological makeup so i am a female with biological makeup um but but being your gender whether you are um, a man or a woman that is a social construct that has been created by society by culture in terms of whether you fit as a a woman or a man so even though i am female and biological my sex is female it doesn't necessarily mean i identify as a woman i mean i do but there's lots of negative uh, connotations around that. So Nat, what do you think? Should we be should we be refraining from calling girls girls and boys boys? No, and you guys know that I, I, so I understand your argument. I under, I philosophically understand where you're coming from. But personally, I feel powerful with the term woman. I feel powerful and I, I think actually why aren't we working to make the you know boy and girl more powerful terms why not why are we going automatically to it being a negative connotation i get that that is where it is now but does it always have to be there can we not go back and and cure that i i like the terms I, i i have a connection to those terms and this is me really like personally speaking i have a connection to those terms so i think it's interesting because i think there's a different feeling around the word woman i do think there's a different feeling around the word woman than there is to girl and i do think that actually we should be encouraging people who are born female or whatever to understand their body as a woman and understand how it works and why it works and also actually people who are born male like understand your bodies right so don't feel that you are disconnected from your bodies but I kind of agree with Emma. I do think like we're so ingrained in what it means, what the characteristics are of a girl and a boy, that if you don't feel those characteristics are right for you, it can be really alienating. Yeah, and you're kind of segregating people into two pools, basically. You're either a woman or you're a man. You're either a boy, you're either a girl. I personally, I don't identify with the word woman. The word that's really powerful for me is being in my feminine, my femininity, and I talk a lot about that because... You know, I think all of us play between feminine and masculine. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, you know, if you've grown up very comfortable with the social construct of being a girl, then that's great, you know, amazing. But there's an awful lot of people out there, and we're getting more and more awareness of this, that actually don't. And there's lots of detrimental, there are some powerful parts of being a boy or a girl, but there's some very negative connotations. And even men are probably suffering more than women in terms of. The, the stereotypes that are going around. I, I accept that, wholly accept that. So tell us, what do you think? Do you think that we should be calling girls, girls and boys, boys? Is it have is this kind of gender neutrality gone mad? Or actually, would it just be nice to kind of see ourselves as individuals and not have to fit? I don't know. You tell us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the socials. Uh, coming up next, we are talking to a woman who is a scientist, a skincare guru and probably Kim Kardashian's number one speed dial. Uh, She'll be here with us coming up next on Talk Radio. 
Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. And we are joined by, well... Just a skincare goddess. Mm-hmm. And do you know what's awful? When somebody who introduces somebody as a skincare goddess, the first thing you do when they walk in the studio is you check out their skin yes. and it is excellent. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Barbara Stern. Skin. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> Thank you for having a badass doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Barbara, tell us, for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I'm a doctor. I studied sports and medicine and I'm from Dusseldorf, Germany. And there is one of my clinics. Another one is in Munich. I started out as an orthopedic surgeon. I helped pioneering a treatment against osteoarthritis by creating body-owned proteins from the blood, um, which is highly anti-inflammatory and helps to prevent from the aging of the joints. At the same time, I was quite intrigued by all this injecting fillers and Botox, and I learned how to do it. And of course, I became this um, pioneer and uh, mad scientist <laughs> and I just loved doing something different than anybody else was doing so I transferred the knowledge from the orthopedics into the skin so basically what I started what you know today is a blood facial or vampire facial I started 14 years ago wow so that's what we were talking about earlier was the vampire facial so Nat didn't actually know how it works I feel like Emma and I gave her a very bad <laughs> description <laughs> <laughs> but um, tell us a little bit about what what it is and why it's become so popular okay you know all the uh, you know the picture with Kim Kardashian being yeah. all over the face bloody that's not how it should look <laughs> and how it should be so my whole concept was to create anti-inflammatory proteins from the blood so we take blood in a syringe the syringe has has little glass beads in it which create um, or stimulate the cells to produce healing factors, mainly anti-inflammatory proteins. And we create those proteins in a 140 times higher concentration than what you normally have in your blood. And imagine how fast the wound heals when you cut your finger. Mm-hmm. This powers times 140. We create wow. from your blood and we keep it and we can inject it. We can um, use it for creams. We can do anything with it. Um, and we give the healing power back to your skin. Um, what mostly is used in... In, in everywhere in the world is called PRP, which is you take the blood in an empty surge, you spin it right away and you give it back, which only has a couple of like growth factors, but it's not that highly anti-inflammatory. So what I invented is actually a little more valuable, but it's known as a vampire facial, the PRP <laughs> technique, which everybody, every doctor uses. And um, you inject it like superficially into the skin, which um, helps the collagen to, you know, be stronger and helps to build elastin again so that your our skin would not lose elasticity and collagen. So fundamentally, why do we age? Um, I know I should know this, but this isn't something that I was taught in school uh, <laughs> beyond getting older. What, why do we age and how, how do we protect it? You know, you've mentioned collagen. Talk me through the science of it. So... Um, aging, the aging process is caused by many, many um, factors, you know, and also is determined by our genes, of course. But um, aging is caused by inflammation, it's caused by stress, which causes inflammation. Aging um, is a natural process. Cells divide a certain number of times and then they undergo the natural programmed cell deaths. That's normal. So if you want to do something, to prevent from aging, we should take out inflammation and we should prevent ourselves from undergoing the natural programmed cell death, which can be done, for example, with the telomerase activator, which I put in all my products in the skincare line um, as this or purslane, what I'm using. So you want to keep your cells alive, strong and without inflammation. Okay. Mm. So, so when should you start a skincare regime? I think I'm a lot more obsessed about my skin now than I, than I ever was. Yeah, but like, too late. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> but what sort of age should our listeners really be thinking about? Really, you know, not buying those sort of high street creams and really in, perhaps investing in um, more expensive skincare. So the reason why you buy a more expensive skincare is because you want to have valuable ingredients. You don't want to have like a mineral oil base. You want to have like a real great um, number of ingredients also in a certain concentration. So because the inkies on the back of the cream doesn't say how, m- how much of it is in it. Uh-huh. So that's why you should spend more money. You shouldn't spend more money just on marketing mm. ideas. So when... Mm. 
a skincare brand says I'm ins- we are inspired by jeans this doesn't say anything so i think we have to be educated about what we're using we shouldn't just jump on every train we should really do our own little research and really check out philosophies of different doctors i think these are the people we should listen to Mm -hmm. so you called yourself a mad scientist (laughs) how do you go from being a mad scientist because clearly (laughs) i'm not gonna say mad but definitely a scientist um how do you go from that to actually creating a whole range having a business taking that business global building this select Celebrity client base that's like a big leap what were some of the steps you took to do that so nothing was planned I'm not a beauty junkie <laughs> I, I really didn't plan on anything I am tomboy growing up with nature <laughs> so um, what happened was that I suffered with my own skin suffered was I uh, means like I had super dry skin and I had like blackheads and I had to see a facialist every three weeks and this was not because I was a wane I just wanted to have a healthy skin because I wasn't wearing any makeup so I tried every skincare product on the market and nothing would help for me and I I was so frustrated so I wanted to just have a cream for myself which heals my skin Mm. so I went to my pharmacist we did like a really nice um, base cream and I added my proteins from the blood and bang done for me and from the orthopedics we had like lots of um, celebrity clients already and um I would hook them on the cream and they just got like, oh my God, that's amazing, Dr. Stone. We love that. And Dr. Stone, what's your regimen? I, I said, I don't know. I wash my face with water. <laughs> so my regimen basically was my cream. And um, and this is also, that's maybe 10 years ago. And so my patients were asking me for additional products. And since I couldn't recommend anything, I said, oh, you know, I do like a small little range for my patients, just like that. And then, you know, now I'm basically obsessed with creating new products. And since I'm a pioneer and entrepreneur, I just love to create something which isn't on the market yet. So yeah. I don't I don't look right and left. I just see what would I like for my skin? What would my patients like? What are my patients asking for? So that's like an organic do you like being an entrepreneur? Because you, you, you just called yourself yeah. an entrepreneur. Do you like the transition? Or do you like being the scientist, but also the entrepreneur and building this brand and building a business and, and listening to customers and figuring out what they need and what they want? I think I wouldn't want to be anything else. From the science, I you know I became already this person who doesn't like to do what everybody else is doing. I mm. hate mainstream. I just, I just want to create something which isn't been there and I just don't listen to other people what they're telling me I want to just prove and see what's maybe better and then also I think there's so much out there which doesn't work and I can't do anything which doesn't work so if my patients don't tell me oh my god you transformed my skin I feel like I fail you know so I think um, being someone who really listens to you know the patients and look out for the needs of our all um, needs then I think that's entrepreneurial rather than just doing something for money what have been some of the challenges you faced in building it and making it as you want it to be? <laughs> first, <And> of all, <laughs> first of all, um, I put my own money in there and I was a single mother. I, um, I, my, wow. my, my older girl is Charlie. She's 21 now. So I raised her basically by myself and my parents. And um, so I think doing something where you just have to take a lot of risk you have to believe in what you're doing you have to be passionate about what you're doing and you want to do it so bad and then you don't you just go for it and I think the challenge sometimes you know when I started my clinic for the skin I sometimes didn't have one patient the whole day Mm. and I was like sitting there in my super nice built clinic I was like (laughs) oh this goes really well (laughs) you can't just freak out about it and you have to believe in yourself and keep going and then it's all about you have to be with people, you have to love to listen to other people. You have to meet people all over the world and, you know, make friends. I'm, I'm For example, I'm friends with uh, Whitney Wolf from Bumble. And that's a good example for a woman supporting other women. Yeah. So you have to find your group of women who just love to support each other. And that's fun. You know, it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. What Have you had any moments where you've gone, oh, my gosh, I'm really successful? What was that first moment where you went, oh, oh, I didn't think I was going to be here. I've made it. You know, when I started medicine, and this was actually really interesting. So I was the one, I was floating from one to the next. And mm-hmm. sometimes I would I would miss, uh, you know, exams or something if my, my colleagues wouldn't tell me. So, and then I would just learn for an exam. And then I would think, oh my God, if I... If I make this exam, this would be the biggest thing ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you get scared and you and you go into this exam and then you 
do this exam with like <laughs> nothing, you know, and then on the next five minutes, you already forgotten that you made it, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not seeing myself as being like this, you know, successful woman. To me, it's just like a, like a journey of life and it's fun and it rewards me with my patients and clients giving me the love. So uh, what are glow drops? <laughs> now we've said it I'm like I want to know what they are that's the one for Claire so the glow drops that's what I mean when, when I say I don't want to do what everybody else is doing although glow is a big word but the drops I invented I started with the sun drops and the sun drops actually is a really cool product it's a sunscreen it's an SPF 50 you can mix in your products whenever you need it so I don't believe in using sunscreen every day un unless you use big time glycolic or retinol you shouldn't use sunscreen especially not in London so you can drop the SPF 50 in your existing products if it's a serum or a cream whatever so uh, this product which just came out is the glow drops and I wanted like a to add like a healthy natural glow to our skin especially for people who don't like to wear makeup so Me? it has yeah you will you will especially on your skin oh my god it's so amazing it has like an instant glow it has some mineral pigments in but it also gives you like a long long-term glow because it nourishes your skin it refines the pores it gives you a nice complexion and brightens and Everything is herbal. Everything is non-toxic. It has like valuable oils, especially now for the winter months where you want to add some valuable oils mm -hmm. to your skincare regimen. So it's a perfect product for red carpet, for the Christmas festive season. So can I, as, as a heathen to skincare, like what is a really simple regime? If I just buy a standard cream, can I just buy some stuff and act like, can I buy drops and add it in? Like <laughs> so if you ask me, a simple skincare regimen is a cream. <laughs> okay. So, so, but now, of course, after like, 12, 13 years in this business, I know so much about skincare. I, I know. I mean, I, nobody can tell me anything. I, I know everything. <laughs> so like, I am the boss. I'm the best. I'm the boss. I'm yeah. the boss. So, but um, what I what I learned that you want a modern skincare regimen also adds like a serum, like a hyaluronic serum with some active ingredients to apply before the cream just because a water solution brings active ingredients into deeper skin layers quicker and you can even do a meso rolling with it um so i think that's a combination use a serum first then your cream i even think you know i'm too lazy to use an eye cream although we have the best eye cream in the world <laughs> <laughs> obviously i just i just like to use my cream everywhere done you know yeah okay nice. well uh, we're going to take a little break where basically we get barbara to examine all our skin tells what to do <laughs> um, but then coming up next we've got our badass balls ups the point of the show where we try and take your problems and solve them barbara i don't know if you know that you're staying in to help us with that are you happy to do that where do I stay? Just here. <laughs> Just hang out here for yeah, a Yeah, of course. Minutes. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try and solve your problems. Um, as ever, if you want to tell us, do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, because we want to know your secrets so we can discuss them with everyone else. Coming up <laughs> next. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we also have the fabulous Dr. Barbara Stern in the studio with us. Hello! We've been talking all things skincare and it's the point of the show where we try and ask, answer some of your problems. So this saw me actually a couple of weeks ago but we've been holding it because I think it's useful. So this comes from Kate on Instagram. And she says, I've suffered with acne my whole life. It's improved as I've got older, but it's still there. I've tried products, medicines, diet, massage, anything I can think of to fix it, but nothing works. My friends tell me it's not that bad and they don't really notice it, but I'm so paranoid about it and I feel it's really holding my confidence back. What else can I try? Barbara, where where should we even be starting on this? In this case, less is more for sure. I think... um, you know what the the, um, the mistake is with treating acne is that um, too many harsh um, products are being used, in, including glycolic. And you know it's like when you dry out your skin, you just even cause problems with your sebum production. So what I would do, I would go really the anti-inflammatory way. I think that's what the skin needs. Um, do like a super simple regimen. Um, I invented a line for darker skin tones, which is basically super anti-inflammatory, antibacterial and evening out the skin tone. And that's a really great regimen, which I give to all my acne clients, actually. And it's two cleansers, one enzyme cleanser, one foamy cleanser, a hyaluronic serum and a very light cream. So this would be a perfect regimen for such a such a problem. Don't don't use harsh um, ingredients on your skin. Just keep it very like gentle and anti-inflammatory. Beautiful, thank you, Emma. What for you? Do you find it's like? Are you conscious of because you've got we are all quite lucky actually we've all got quite good skin. But I definitely know if I've got like a spot or something, I'm very aware of it. How do you? How do you have a bit of confidence even when you're not feeling that good in your body that day? Uh, so, yeah, I, I have very dry skin, but when I get a spot, I get a real spot. spot. <laughs> um, and I think that, I don't, I don't know, I'm just, if I've got a spot, I've got a spot. I'm tired of like trying to cover it up. I normally put some tea tree oil on that. Ne- very that, good. Yeah, <laughs> that immediately, if you've got like just a little bump of something, you put that tea tree on, the next morning it's or pretty much gone. Yeah. 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 I've actually come into the studio with toothpaste yeah. on before. But I'm, like, I'm just going to own that second head that's appeared on my face. <laughs> I can't hide it. <laughs> now, how do you get comfortable in your own skin, though? Because that's what it's really about, isn't it? Well, honey, black don't crack. <laughs> like so I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to like this for the next 10 years. So that just helps. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's making peace with the skin that you've got because that's that's it. That's what you can do things to make it better. But obsessing about it, I think, makes it worse. The stress of it makes it worse. So it's just accepting accepting what you've got uh, and finding a regimen that works for you. Yeah. And it, it, potentially less is more. So actually, you don't need 20,000 things. You maybe just need two really simple But from the less, the very best quality, that's important. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's also something about actually be where you are right now you know mm. maybe your skin will improve in a year in five years in ten years but it actually changes with hormones changes with yeah. hormones but also you, you're wasting time worrying about it right now you know it is where it is so look for something that's actually good you know, look it's also important like. to not touch your face with your fingers all the time. I think that's also a big mistake. I and was also literally just doing when that. You, you know, <laughs> also, putting your phone on your ear, it mm. creates like all these bacteria around oh, your yeah, jawline. Uh, you know, all these little things and wash your face properly, but with a gentle cleanser, not with an aggressive cleanser. You know, get your makeup up properly. Um, I think the... Yes. Yeah. Great tips there. Let us know how it gets, how it goes, and what happens. Uh, Nat, what have you got this week? Eleanor has asked us. Uh, I want to host a Christmas party for friends, but I'm not a great cook. How do I get that homely, catered for feeling without breaking the bank and giving everyone frozen food? <laughs> it's really important to me as I don't have family in the UK and I can't afford to fly home. Oh, Evanest, Evanest, two for ten pounds. I was about to say the same <laughs> thing. 
I don't know. Do you host a Christmas party? I don't know. I was going to say, I, don't come to me. Like, I never cook. No one ever gets invited to my house. I'd be like, okay, well, maybe we'll book a private dining room somewhere. Or I'd be like, do you know what? Everybody come over to mine, but you all have to bring something. Yeah. And I'd try and make it a thing to try and detract from the fact that I ain't doing any cooking. That's what I used to do. I used to say, like, actually, you can come to mine. I'll provide the booze. You bring the food. I'll provide the seats. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I tell people. maybe a knife and fork. I always say, please, can you bring chairs? I only have four. So more than that, you need to bring a chair. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is also like, it doesn't have to be Christmas. You don't have to do turkey and all the trimmings. You can just do something that you know how to cook and that becomes your signature. Chili con carne. Chili con carne. <laughs> I did lasagna for my birthday for like eight years in a row. Nobody ever complained. They all loved that. I was going to say, you're getting fed. Like no one could complain what you cook. Cook whatever you like. Take the pressure off yourself, I think, isn't it? Barbara, you've got a really like busy schedule. How... Do you kind of, how do you make time still for family, for social life? How do you fit that in? Don't ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I don't even know where I would be for Christmas. <laughs> and you have five children. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what will you be doing? Will you get some? Will you have some downtime? You're looking at me like no. <laughs> no, I, we will have some downtime. But the problem in our life is that we have different options as well, yeah. which makes it harder. Yeah. So we have to travel um to Miami, Dallas and LA and then we were thinking of staying in LA for Christmas but at the same time people are expecting us in Russia so that's a long <laughs> jump from it. Yeah. So um, I, yeah. I, I, you know. I think it's about also there's something about bringing your traditions with you mm. so actually yeah. you know Christmas is whatever you have decided that it is really and truly it's not it doesn't have to be performed in a certain way and I think that's where it gets like weird so actually if you want Christmas today if you want your Christmas celebration to be everyone comes in their pyjamas brings a board game and you order a takeaway fabulous make that your di- make that be your thing people but love it I am going to say shout outs there are brands that uh, we've already mentioned one and that is my go to <laughs> but there are brands that you can just buy a really simple Christmas meal and it tastes fabulous if you want that Christmassy feeling with, with you know yeah. with the turkey and all, all of that sort of thing um but find what is your tradition maybe with some friends come up with your own Christmas tradition and I'm thinking about doing the same thing so actually going to a private dining room and creating sort of a you know a a friend's Christmas because we won't see each other realistically for three or four days so yeah find your own tradition I've got got a great tradition don't come to my house (laughs) 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 Emma Uh, Emma finally what is our final question this week so this one comes from Nisha by Instagram she said you all said last week that now is a great time to start a business. Uh, now is a great time to start a business, not January. What are the three things I can do between now and January to get the insight I need to know if my idea is any good or not? I'm committed to doing something different, and I thought I'd start in January, but realised this might not be such a good plan after listening to the show. Uh, and if you missed the show, it's on our podcast, so do go check it out on iTunes now. Um, Nat, three things you can do to feel like you're doing some active research and development for a business idea. Three things. Uh, Create a space that you feel creative working so you can get yourself in the right mindset to do stuff. If you're trying to plan a business in between, you know, rushing off to meetings and jotting stuff down on your phone, you're never going to get the best stuff down. So find a space that you can be creative. Um, Ask ask around if you've got an idea in mind just start sharing it with people you know what do you think of this idea what do you think of that people that you can trust that won't be judgmental and and try and put you off Um, and get your and this is one of my things get yourself a really nice diary and pen (laughs) it's a treat and again it it means that at the moment that you're sitting down to start writing and jotting and and and, um, scanning things out you'll you'll enjoy it I think lot, that process of, of trying to make something work can be can co- cause a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. And if you actually enjoy the process of getting all of this stuff out of your head and planning, then it might be a bit easier. Barbara, what do you think? So when you're kind of starting a business, what are some, where are some starting steps to decide whether or not your idea has legs? First of all, I wouldn't time a start. I, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I just like this floating. Um, so I think you really have to make sure that's, what you totally believe in it, what you go like 10 miles and it could be super hard and you need to go for it. So I think you need to be really, really sure. Asking for advice is good, not asking everyone because everybody will give you different opinions and then you might end up not doing it. So, and lots of advice could be just just wrong because you see it differently. So only ask people who really value their opinion. And um, 
Yeah, just go for it. I think the notebook idea is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Do to do's. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I meet so many people along the way and I, even I started um, writing everything, everything now because it's becoming so much. Yeah. So you have to sort it a little bit and structure it. I think structure is really well, communica uh, really important. Communication is important, which I suck in. Fabulous. Thank you. And don't at all. <laughs> so hopefully that's given you a little bit of a starting point. Um, if you have an idea and you're up and getting it ready before January, tweet us and tell us. We love to hear about them at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Um, we're going to say a very big thank you to Dr. Barbara Stern for joining us today. Thank Woo! you Thank you for much. having me. And your skincare range, where can people find it if they want maybe a little Christmas treat? So you always can get it on Netapoti, which is the easiest way. But, you know, I know that people like to try it. So go to Space and K. We are everywhere in Space and K. We, go to, we are in Harrod, so that's a good way of just fabulous putting your finger in there <laughs> yeah put your finger in it that's how it works <laughs> um, so we are going to take a little break but we'll be back after this with a woman from history you really need to know about yes it is our backdated badass across the UK online and on DAB Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minton and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And it's that time of the show where we talk about a woman from history that you really need to know about. A woman who has done amazing things and yet we're just not celebrating her. Uh, today we're joined by journalist Anna Codriorado who is going to be talking to us about a woman who changed music. Hi Anna. Hi, Harriet. Uh, so tell us, who is your backdated badass this week? So I'm going to be talking about Bert Lockett, who was a DJ in New York um, in the 70s and 80s and who has fallen into complete obscurity. Um, we're not even sure if she's still around. Um, we think that she may have passed. Um, but what's really, really fascinating about her story is She was a pioneer um, during her time, but uh, because she was quite reverent and quite brash, she fell out with quite a lot of people in the New York house music scene and has basically fallen off the radar um, and also kind of fallen out of the history books about um, dance music in New York. So during the 70s and 80s. One of the things that I love about this is when we were talking about it, I was asking you, who are you going to talk about? And you said, I'm going to talk about Bert Lockett. And I said, oh, is she um, alive or dead? Because our backdated badasses tend to be dead. And you went, we just don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> so what was, what was she kind of famous for in the 70s and 80s? How did she change that music scene? So... During this time, um, it's probably best to kind of give a bit of context to what mm -hmm. the New York music scene would have been like back then. So it was very male-dominated, which, to be honest, the music scene all over the world, the, the DJ scene is still very male-dominated. But then it was very dominated by um, Italian-Americans, uh, which is partly because the scene was still being run by the mafia at the time. Uh, and there was a hierarchy within the DJ community so at the very bottom of the rung were female DJs and also what was known as mobile DJs, which is basically people who would lug around their kit and they didn't have a regular residency and they would hop around from venue to venue, which is what Bert was. So that's what she would do. She would go around different venues, um, bringing her own gear um, and trying to get recognized. Um, and what made her really special was that she actually was trained as a radio DJ. So she tried to basically introduce MCing into her mixing and her selecting. So she would talk over the mic, which at that time was completely new and was just not being done. Um, and she was also one of the first known female DJs at that time. Um, the club, which did give her a break in the 70s uh, was called Better Days and when it opened she was their first DJ she has wow. a she had a residency and she was their first DJ uh, and um, she was doing really really well there until she fell out with the owner's wife the venue owner's wife um, 
because she refused to play the records that uh, she was requesting. Um, and then she kind of, and from then she sort of fell into obscurity. Um, and all of the people I've talked to for the piece that I'm working on about her, they um, they just don't really know what happened to her. Um, and the, the real interesting thing for me when I was researching this is if someone falls out of the history books, you kind of have to ask yourself a really, really difficult question. Is it just because they weren't good enough? Um, is it because they just really annoyed people? Or what was there something else going on here? And what I found, at least from what I've been researching, is that it, she she fell out of the history books because she just did not fit in to what was accepted at that time. So what she was, was her What was her personality like? So she was really irreverent. She was quite brash. She was very tough. Um, but that all came from the fact that she was um, a woman. She was a lesbian. Um, so this was a really, really difficult time for for, for someone um, for someone who, um, in that position. And so she just developed a really, really thick skin. And you know, she would have men come up to her um, who thought she was a man um, and tried to hit on her. So this was the kind of this is sort of what she was working against. And I, it's just not the case that, you know, she just simply wasn't good enough. It's just that she didn't fit the mold. And um, she was, you know, trying to make it in very, very male-dominated world. And she just rubbed people up the wrong way, just basically because she just wasn't a bloke. Do you, Emma, think, do you um, think that would happen now? It sounds like a kind of a classic, doesn't it? Someone comes in, someone is a, a woman and is kind of disrupting, you know, what's disrupting kind of the straight status quo or what people think is right and not really being able to be open. Do you think she would have the same challenges that she had then if she was still around today? Do you think the music industry's changed or do you think she'd still, that she still would have been a, a tricky character for a because it's not often stream. you see women headlining, female DJs yeah. headlining. Oh, definitely. Um, she, I think it was obviously so much harder back then and the odds were really stacked against her. But to be honest, it's not as though we've come that far now. Um, uh, festival lineups, especially in the dance music world, are so male-dominated. Um, you know, you'll sometimes get you sometimes get lineups where there's maybe one, if any, female DJs on the lineup. Uh, and if women are trying to do anything new or outside of the mold, it's just it's really really hard for them. And dance music, especially, it's always been a bit of a boys' club. Um, it's always been quite exclusive and quite pretentious, which. It just makes absolutely no sense because the roots of dance music come from minority communities and inclusion and openness and somehow it's kind of morphed into something that's completely antithetical to all of that and women in particular and especially if women if you're talking about women from minority communities it's just it's still as hard now as it would have been for but Mm-hmm. Back then. Nah. So I'm reading an extract from uh, Love Saves the Day, a history of American yeah. dance music, uh, dance culture. And yeah. there's a, a, a couple of paragraphs talking about um, Burt Lockett and, and the way that she responded to being asked to play requests. And in one of the yeah. clubs she was working in, the boss's wife asked her for a request and she uses some rude language and says, I don't, I don't do requests. And it gives you a glimpse into her, her style and how she basically was like, I don't care if you're the boss's wife. I don't care if you own this place. I don't do requests. It's not who I am. <laughs> and it really comes through just in, in, those, in those paragraphs that she, she, she was fierce. She was badass. And she obviously knew her craft and was passionate about it. Anna, um, where do you think she is today? In a sentence, where, do, where can we find it? In fact, actually... Do you know her? People, but do we know where Bert Lockett is? <laughs> Can we find her? Hashtag Bert Lockett. Where is she? <laughs> find Bert Lockett. And I thank you. Sorry. Thank you so much for joining us today um, and teaching us a little bit more about Bert and the dance music scene. Uh, if you want to know more, Anna, where can people find you to read the article? I am on Twitter at Anna Cod, and the piece will be coming out on Red Bull Music Academy. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, so that was our backdated badass, a woman from history you really need to know about. And we're heading to the end of our show, which is sad times. But do you know what? What we have before then, the best bit, the badass principle of the week, something to live your life by in the next seven days. Now, what is it this week? 
The badass principle this week is Others Matter. And it's connected to the story we started off talking about at the top of the show. Um, the 26 black women that were killed, that died at sea. And, you know, Christmas is a time when, especially now, there's, there's all these, you know, sales and people are thinking about buying and consuming stuff. Maybe ditch all of that. Ditch the consumption. Give your money and your time to causes that matter. Lend your voice, your skills. Make someone else know that they matter. Lovely. Ems, who are you going to let know that they matter this week? Well, I, th- I think that's important, isn't it? You know, we can get wrapped up in our own little bubbles and it's just... You know, I, we just need to just keep everybody else in mind and you know acknowledge that not everybody is living the privileged lives that we are I think what I'm doing this Christmas so for our company instead of doing client gifts we're doing what we do every year where we do a charity donation but to a charity that's not very mainstream not very well known so we're donating to the Flying Seagulls and they go into the refugee camps and entertain the children mm-hmm. um, which I just think is a really important thing so yeah I want to add our producer Fed's suggestion. Her and her partner will complete a reverse advent calendar. So they'll add one item to a box each day and then donate the box to their local shelter and food bank. I oh, love that's that a lovely idea. idea. Cool. I love that. Mm. So for me, I'm going to take others matter, but I'm, I'm going to add a word to the badass principle. Sorry. <gasps> uh, I'm going to say others' views matter because mm. I think it's really easy to get caught in our own viewpoint and forget to just check in with other people and hear them and listen to them and try and understand them. So mm. that's going to be my... Being open to those other views, isn't yeah. it? Rather yeah. than defensive about it. That's, that's my goal yeah. for the week. Okay. Um, but if you want to tell us how you're going to show that others matter in the coming weeks, do let us know. We love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Or, of course, you can come talk to us individually. We like that too. Find me at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. At Emma Sexton. And, of course, we will be here again, same time, same place, with the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.